Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly. I'm your host, as ever, Louis McCaffrey, and this week I'm joined by the weasel himself. He went. He's he's here tonight to rehash his opinions from yesterday's agenda. It's uh, Christopher Salmani. How are you, Christopher? Hello, Louis. Congratulations on your award. Oh, I, I thought we'd maybe get into that later, but hey, thank you very much. Listen, sincere and warm congratulations. I genuinely thought when I when I heard the news when the, when the story broke, I thought I've done fuck all to deserve that this week. So he definitely just files them out whenever he fancies. But hey ho, um, I'm also joined by a man who's dressed very very well for the occasion. It's Barry Gallagher. How are you, Barry? I'm good, thanks. Um, I know forward planning at all. I'm wearing the the away to your home. Um, so it's good to be here. It's good to be on the the home of the people. Um. And hopefully we'll have a an eventful evening throughout the show. Aye, I, I can't see it, but we'll get there. And joining us all the way from London, because he's moved to England, because he loves England, I'm only joking. Um, it's Graham McKay, how are you, Graham? I had to get closer to Ryan Christie. And kind of between Buckingham Palace and, and Bournemouth, that's how I kind of situated myself. Are you going to kick fuck at him? Is that what it is? Aye, aye, because uh, I mean, he likes feet, so I'll just put my feet in his face. <laughs> are you are you in London on uh, business or pleasure? Do I look as if I'd be doing business in London? I mean, what the fuck? Well, I know, <laughs> but then I thought, you're not going to go a holiday to London and do a podcast, are you? I was supposed to be going to America, but Joe Biden won't let me in, so I had to make a last minute plan. Oh, so. he's a dick and all, but let's, let's not go there. <laughs> um, so this is, obviously, we're recording this on transfer deadline day. Um, and so far at uh, 28 at night it's been a shit show pretty much we have announced the Greek striker who we basically tied up a medical and agreed personal terms on Sunday and that's us just wheeled him out tonight and then we've still got the Jota deal to announce as well by all accounts that's done medical done um, just waiting on the announcement but Classic Celtic are waiting to the last minute to make it look as if we've been working really hard today to get deals done. Um, Eddie is yet to be announced for Palace, but it looks like he's off to Palace for an initial 14 million, rising to possibly 18 million. Christie to Bournemouth, what a wank. Uh, Griffiths has went to Dundee on loan. Robertson has went to Crew on loan for the season. And Leo Connor has also went to Tranmere on loan for the season. So... We're going to come to this. Obviously, this is going to be a massive section of the show um, because I think we'll all probably get a lot of thoughts on the business that's been done and the, the business that has been failed, failed to be done. So we'll, we'll get to that later. First up, Christopher Samani. Um, I did joke. You were obviously on the, the reaction, which was excellent live reaction uh, after the game on Sunday. Um and then you were also on the agenda, but if, if anybody's not heard, what are your, you know, a couple of days out now from the result, what are your emotions after another defeat to, to Rangers? Um, yeah, I'm still, I'm still a bit gutted. It still stings a bit. Um, what I've noticed is there's quite a lot of varying opinions amongst the support. There's not, there's usually one narrative and that generally seems to be what the case is. There's some folk who, basically are saying, you know, we failed. We didn't win. We need to win. We've lost so many games in a row. And the fact that we lost, that's it. Right. There's other people saying we're still a lot further ahead um than than where we were. And there's other people saying we should have won that game. 
for me, I'm I mean the 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 pessimist I am. I'm I'm a wee bit more of the the the, the first option where I'm thinking like, we need to kind of start winning these games. But it's also mixed in with the fact that our board fucked up so badly with the the chase for Eddie Howe and bringing in Postacoglu so late that that game did come really really early. So I I'm accepting of that, but we getting beat off them again is just you know. I don't want it to become normal and I think that it's it, it's getting there where if we don't win the next one it's going to become a big issue um, you know we can look at the game and there were some positives to take from it there's things that you take forward but ultimately we came away there without anything when we probably should have came away with something um, and ultimately success um, for this team this season is going to be about winning games how, how do you feel about it at this point? I mean I think it in the cold light of day, you need to have some kind of perspective about how we have let, or the, the, the board have let Rangers catch up where we were. Like, we were so so far ahead, we had the chance to go light years ahead of them, and we, st- we stayed in place and allowed them to come back up to the level that we were at. So, based on that, we need to remember that us going to Ibrox and pumping them every time we go was never a thing. It was never a thing until the last kind of decade. So because we've allowed them to come back up to our level, we're going to have to accept that these games are now for the foreseeable future are going to be about small margins. Small margins of things like uh, Ed, Edward missing something that he would never miss in 100 attempts, you know what I mean? And them scoring a goal from a jammy corner. These, these games were always about that. And that's what they've come back to because of the incompetence of our board not kicking on. And that's that's the, that's where we are, and that's where we're going to be for the future. We're probably going to win most of the games at home. Most of the games at Ibrox are probably going to be hard going, but we've allowed them back on our level, and that's that's what we saw on, on Sunday there. Yeah, I must say I'm, I get more and more negative about it the more I think about it. Like, I was... Um, I don't know. I, I probably went in with a lot of hope, and I feel as if I'm maybe just kidding myself on a bit. I feel like now looking back at like the Dundee performance, or, you know, or St. Mirren, did I get too high when we're beating these these teams and thinking that we were better than what we were? And we come up in the big games, you know, we go away to Tannadice, we're playing in Europe, then we go to Ibrox. And, you know, we spoke last week about what a massive week this was, you know, and for both clubs, really, for both clubs with their European games and then the game at the weekend. And let's face it, we failed. I mean, we lost both games. Yes, OK, in Europe, we, we got through um, to the to the group stage of Europa League, but the performance wasn't there. Um, again, to away games as well, which we'll come on to, but I'm, a, I'm probably a lot more negative Um about things than maybe some other people are. And I think, as some Annie says, there does seem to be a wide range of opinion on it. And this is one thing that annoys me. There's always people that are desperate to be right. And and we're all going to be different. We're all going to have different opinions. It's not that every so one person's right and one person's wrong. But for me, I, I was a wee bit more negative. And there's a couple of things I want to talk about on that. Barry, how are you, how are you feeling now? You've had a chance to kind of calm down and think about it. Um, I think that Samani made a good point there about it almost becoming the norm, and I was still I still felt as gutted as I was. But 
there's a danger that people become desensitized to it. Um, I know speaking to some of my friends, they were saying, oh, it doesn't feel as bad as last year, but last year was pretty fucking bad. Um, and it just comes down to, we need to, we need to buy, I think it was Alan that said yesterday, by hook or by crook, we need to win the next one just to kind of get that monkey off our backs. But I think there was, there was a definite improvement from last season. Um, it's all about chances and, but on the flip side, we said that every game last season as well, that we couldn't take our chances. But I thought they looked more solid um, defensively. And I think that if we'd beaten them 1-0, they could have had no complaints. So, as Graham says, that's the way it was for all of us growing up, really. Um, and, and Unless, like, the sort of the dark times of the 90s. But these games can go either way with a goal here or there. Um but it's all about trying to improve. And the only the only real worry for me was that there was all this talk about Angie's system and how we would have to outscore teams, but we never really saw that the last two games, um, the sort of free four attacking football. And I know that's not going to be possible all the time, especially away games and playing better opposition. But that was just a worry for me that we didn't have that slickness of passing. Um, and again, I think that comes down to recruitment, which is obviously the, the glaring issue in today of all days. So, yeah, I think, sort of long story short, I'm not as negative as I, as I have been recently, um, but there's still have a hell of a lot of improvement to be done um, by everyone at the club. So, Manny, you want in there? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest disappointment about the performance for me was the second half, certainly the start, start of the second half and the change that they made which isn't rocket science. I mean, let's, you know, people will talk about Gerard and well, Beale. A lot, of, a lot of folk will talk about Beale and the, the, the way that they set up and the way that they play. I mean, they moved Kent onto McGregor and they nullified us in midfield. My, the, you know, that that wasn't, you know, a tactical masterstroke. Well, I suppose you could say if it was the way that negated us in midfield. But, you know, we didn't do too much to address that until a bit later in the game. Now, when Postacoglu brought on um, Rogic and he, he took Edward off and, and you know he brought Sorrow on and, and moved Kyogo through the middle that was the one difference that I, I, that pleased me a bit because seeing games where they've went 1-0 up before you, we could have played for hours and hours and hours and not scored now we get two clear chances through Kyogo from changing it a wee bit and for me that was at least that was at least something I think most of that second half was was pretty pathetic to be honest but when we changed it up and we maybe, you know, we could go playing in the shoulder of the defenders, you seen what might be going forward. And I suppose that pleased me about it. But if I'm being hypercritical of the manager, I would have said, I think you could have maybe had done that a bit earlier. Um, but that was that that's that's the one thing about that that pleased me. We didn't we didn't get the goal, but that tweak that change was made and it it was a sign of what might be different going forward. So I suppose I'll say that as a positive. I was speaking to Stephen Russell uh, today and asked to see the heat maps that he's putting on to the cynic. And basically the, the whole middle of the park was like, there was no heat map on the whole middle of the park for us. And as Samaya says, this is a tactic that they use quite often. Ryan Kent becomes a man marker for Callum McGregor. And that's okay if we have other people in the team that can distribute from the back. But Joe Hart can't do it. Uh, Anthony Ralston can't do it. Starfield and Welsh can't do it. Juranovic might be able to do it when he's in his natural position. But other than that, 
once Kalmak is like stepped on, it's so hard for us to move through the middle, especially when they've got their zone of marking with the other two midfielders and Turnbull was just lost at sea. Christie got so much criticism, but Turnbull was a fucking light year worse than he was. And it's just something that we can't fix without getting bodies in because you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. We can't just say, hey, Stephen Welsh, like you're the new ayer, step out of the defence and free up Callum mm-hmm. McGregor. We, we need players in that are going to be able to have the ability to do that, to go against how they're combating us. And I know uh, Samani was saying about the second half. The second half was quite a shock because we dominated them so much in the first half, but they, they started pressing higher and it just made it hard for us. And it wasn't until we made that change that we were able to get back into the game. But there wasn't, they were reactive at home against us. That first half, we absolutely dominated them. It's hard to, it's hard to think back to it because of how the, the game went overall, but we we made them look as if they were away, their away team. And there's, there's, there's kind of bright shits there. There's, there's positives there that we can build on, but we can't expect a new manager to come in with the team that he's got. This squad is the worst Celtic squad that was the worst Celtic squad that I've ever seen or seen for a long time and expect him to dominate and go through in games against really tough Dutch teams. He got us through, but I mean, that was a scrappy game. You can't expect much more and you can't expect him to go to Ibrox in like the fifth game of the fourth or fifth game of the season and beat the, the champions, which I hate fucking saying, but beat the champions in their own backyard. It's just, I think the expectations are a bit too high given what we've got. Barry, did you want to come in there quickly before? Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, just to agree with what Graham was saying, I think we all kind of said in the group chat, like at half time, you could see that Rangers were being less, uh, lazy in their pressing. And I think if we had better, a better calibre of player who can play the way that Ange does, we could really have hurt them. Um, because I totally agree, you can have all the possession in the world, but if you've got three of your back four who aren't comfortable with it, it's not going to help out your midfield. I think that was seen. So the ideas were right. And I think that. Graham's right, the first half was one of the most dominant. I think the stats that they showed on screen, like we were almost double uh, the number of passes they had. But again, as I said right at the top, it comes down to recruitment and quality of player. And it does look like, not to jump ahead, but it does look like we're not going to improve there tonight anyway. So we'll need to go with this till January. What, one thing that frustrates me, and I get what Graham's saying, you can't expect him, you know, you can only expect him to do so much with what he's got, and I, I totally understand that. One thing that frustrated me was, and don't get me wrong, I think it's good that he was honest and said that he made a mistake, he should have started Kyle go through the middle, but I felt as if, and this is probably just me, but mm. I, it frustrated me the fact that he had a, he had immediate regrets after that game. Like, that was a game that surely he would have put a good bit of thought into. He would have wanted to win that game and make a statement. He knows how much it means to the fans. And I think he compromised quite a bit. You know, we we, we spoke last week and, you know, it was discussed on numerous pods about how, how do we line up. And everybody said that Ange plays one way. He's not going to compromise his philosophy. We play to win, we you know, we want to entertain all the sound bites that comes with, with Ange. And yet the decision and, and don't get me wrong, I understand it, putting Christie into the midfield rather than being out left. I do I understand where everybody's coming from. But I think if Ange was being completely true to his own philosophy, he would have started Rogic in the middle and he would have put Christie out left with uh Furuhashi up front in the middle. And 
regretting it frustrated me. I, I love the honesty, but it frustrated me because I felt like, why didn't you just stick to your guns, play the team that has won the game 6-0 and entertained us all? And aye, it, it just annoys me. So, Manny. I think Thursday made his mind up, Louis, because you can't play technology can turbo. It's one or the other, especially when we were going up a level. And we've seen that in Alkmaar and we've seen how ineffectual they were because, you know, it's horses for courses, isn't it? You know, they're the type of players who are going to be on the ball a lot more. They're not going to have to work as hard and domestically. So against Alkmaar, when he played the two of them, I think I think you have to kind of, as much as we don't like saying it, I think you have to treat them the same way that you would treat Alkmaar and that's why he's done it. So I, it's not that I can understand it. I would have made that same choice myself. The fact that Edward's now almost certainly going to go, though, I think, and I said this, I think I said it on all the podcasts I've been on that you so uh, graciously pointed out, Louis, Edward was always going to be a distraction because a player of that quality, regardless of the form he's in, is always going to be a consideration for selection. And starting Edward up front, you know, and Christie in midfield, and, you know, Kyogo out wide. Nobody was looking at that and going, I can't believe you've not played Kyogo through the middle. Now, you might have wanted him to play there, but you didn't think it was an outrageous call. Um, now that he's gone, you know, he's going to do that. And he is going to play Kyogo through the middle. And I think we're all happy about that. But with the tools that he had in the day, I can't really see what much different he could have done. Um, but one thing we did say, Sotomani, the whole panel, I think, were pretty unanimous last week in saying, play Kyogo through the middle. Everybody said that, play him through the middle. We've seen this guy's taking us all by, you know, taking Scottish football by storm, the performance he's putting in. And we put the fucking handbrake in that boy and went, no, you you stay out wide. Not, hardly ever did he take on Balogun because, <laughs> I don't know, he felt, obviously felt he, was, he couldn't beat him for pace. It's just like, why I know we... it's, it's I know it's frustrating, right? But I also wouldn't simplify it to think, and a lot of people would say this, that it's an immediate assumption that we'd have won if we'd played Kyogo through the middle. No. You, you know, and I have suggested possibly Edward has played in the left before. You know, when Dembele was here, he played off to the left. I've always thought perhaps that's an option. But I think going back to the Altmar game, when he brought Edward on, that kind of changed it and that eased things up for us. So that was probably in his thoughts as well. Yeah. But but I do agree. See, going forward now, you want Kyogo through there. Edward not being part of the equation is probably going to focus Ange's mind. So everybody's talked about Ange as this sort of guy who there's no compromise. He does this or he does that. It's probably not true. He's probably got a style and a philosophy that he wants to stick to. But like any manager, he's going to make decisions based on who's in front of him. And... He admi- after it, he admitted it. <laughs> and immediately, immediately regretted it. After it, he admitted it. So uh, we move on for here, basically. But see, the, th- the thing about it is, as, as Samaya said, Tam in uh, Holland was just, it was uh, nightmarish to watch. And you know I'm a big Tam fan. But it just wasn't working. And, like, he could have played that team in this game. And the, the first thing people would have said after it, if we lost, was, you saw Tam wasn't working in Holland. Why did you play it again? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's it's, yeah. it's kind of impossible. And the thing about uh, Kyogo through the middle, it is, it's fantastic to see. But it all comes back to the fact that we've not had a permanent left winger at this football club since Sinclair left. And that is a disgrace. 
So that's why Kyoga can play through the middle because we don't have a left winger and we still don't. Maybe Yota will sign during the podcast, but it's it's a disgrace that this football team was going into a game like this. And people are talking on, on Twitter about how, actually, when you consider it, it's actually a half-decent transfer window. We're going into our fucking 10th, 11th, 12th game of the season and we're finally signing a left winger. It's it's not good enough. It's just, it's all coming back to the fact that the club just aren't good enough at doing these types of things. Barry? Yeah, I was just, I think I made the point on the reaction on Thursday that my only concern would be that there definitely was a dilemma whether to play Edward because of how he changed the game, but because we are so light with options on the bench, um, I think I maybe kind of went towards having Eddie to come on because if things weren't going well, then you could maybe start to go long, etc. But I totally agree, we, we don't have the options. The only other option I maybe would have considered was maybe Montgomery playing left mid, but it's it's difficult to do that to a boy. Um, and Again, we keep saying it, but it is appalling. Um, our recruitment and the state that we've left the squad into um, because of we're so short in so many positions. And we're now looking like we're going to be even shorter in midfield options, um, certainly centrally anyway. Yeah, I mean... Oh, sorry. Just very quickly, this is two windows in one because of how fucking appalling the last one was. I mean... It blows my mind how positive we were about that window. Not just us, just about everybody. But essentially that window was that bad that we've had to try and cram it in. And that's on the board. And it's on the way, you know, that I, I can't, I, I keep coming back to it, but the Eddie Howe chase thing was the worst of it. Because even if you'd brought Postacoglu in earlier on, you would probably have further along with the style and the fitness that would have that, that would have taken us further. But we started, you know, we were moving from a start, stop start because they brought him in so late. So not only is it the recruitment, it's the way that they... Well, it is. It's the manager recruitment as well. Anyway, just get that off my chest. Were you talking about the last window in January or the one in the summer? Well, well I'm ignoring John Joe Kenny. I'm Jen, I'm talking about last summer window. I mean, the, the January window might as well know what happened. I mean, it, see, when you think back in January, no, nobody gave a shit. After that New Year game, we knew it was done, so nobody cared. But I'm, I'm talking about the summer window, which was... You know, think about the, who we recruited. I think it was. I was on a transfer committee pod at the time, and I think one of the things we said was that this this was a good window for Neil Lennon managing a team that wants to play three five two, and we abandoned the three five two about a month later. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when the window shut, we were all happy, and I think on paper, on paper, it looked good, and it didn't turn out that way. But anyway, we're a long we're a long way from that squad, I, I guess. Um, obviously, we had Juranovic uh, made his debut. I thought he was. I thought he was really impressive, considering he was playing out of position and uh, playing in left back. I thought he looked good. I can't wait to just see him at right back and and see what he brings to the team because I think he's going to probably bring a hell of a lot. He's one of the obviously one of the more quality additions to the squad, um, which have kind of been few and far between. Um, Starfelt, let's talk about Starfelt. Um, I felt as if Starfelt was having. One of his best games, to be honest. But yeah, I thought he, he was giving away quite a few fouls, but I feel as if he was doing well for him. But then I don't know if that's because my expectations of Starfield are pretty low at this point. One thing that, that frustrated me watching the difference between their 
defenders and ours was they just seem a lot more physically dominant than what we have. We don't have much presence at the back. Obviously, Stephen Welsh is basically first choice centre half now, and there's like no debate about it. It's just where we are. Um, he's going to play pretty much every game this season, uh, you would imagine, unless Julian comes in. But I think Julian's probably going to come in for Starfelt rather than Welsh. But that that is, although Starfelt, you know, he get caught under the ball, uh, Hollander rising above him, obviously. I don't think it was. I don't think it was his fault, but again, it's that we look weak at times and we don't look as strong as what certainly they do. So, many. is that fair? Yeah, I mean, on the, if, if we're apportioning blame for the goal, I think it was probably Welsh's man at the corner, um, despite what John Hartson says. But you know, I thought I thought the defence were fine. That was the thing everybody was worried about going into that game. But I thought the defence played fairly well. I mean, I. I'd quite like them to be stronger in the challenge. I think at sometimes you, the point that you're saying, you know, kind of be a bit more aggressive. But other than that, I thought they were they were all they were all okay in in Sunday. I think what let us down was what we thought was going to be our strength, which is was was our attacking play. But going back to your point about Welsh being a first choice centre half, I mean, Starfield's made more high profile mistakes and things like that, and I don't think anybody would disagree. Welsh though, um, he's not done terribly, you know. Apart from the, the first goal in Altmar, obviously, I think he shares the blame with Joe Hart for that. You know, I, I think he's. Oh, there's Ryan Christie, definitely away there, confirmed by Christopher Gallagher. Um, Con- confirmed to Bournemouth for well, rumours is one million, rumours is two point five. So, aye, he's gone. But we'll get to him. We'll get to him later. See, it's all live. It's all happening. This is exciting. It's good, it's good. But going back, I mean, Welsh, I was maybe a bit hard on him. I think Welsh looks as if he's a decent defender. Am I comfortable with him being one of our first-choice centre-halves until at least January? Probably not. I'd have liked somebody better in there. And I think with those two centre-halves, as much as you weren't a massive fan of Ayer at Louis, I don't think we've got that ball player. And I don't think, and I think that's something that we really, really miss. Both Welsh and Starfield aren't particularly best blessed with huge amounts of pace or that ability to bring it out. So I think that might be an issue going forward. Graham, I, I, I was going to come to, to talk to, talk about Christy and, and Turnbull. And, Sorry, you know, can, I just, can I just jump in? We're live. Um, just, I want to say this. See, when a player leaves a club, usually it's like this guy has left and good luck. And that's how it's been for the last couple of, you know, players to leave. Ryan Christie, they've put out like a fuck, on Twitter they've put out a highlight reel that basically says thank you, hashtag we'd like to thank our hashtag quadruple treble winner for his contribution and wish him every success in the future. I, I find it fucking bizarre. Sorry, I know I'm jumping in. I find it thoroughly fucking bizarre the, the that tweet. Fuck the board. Um, Jim White uh, uh, on that see on that right and I know there's a big love in on Twitter for Eddie and all that I don't give a fuck about anyone see once you leave you're out my life see Christy Eddie I, like good luck but fuck off don't want none to do you um, but again we'll come back to that later um, 
Graham, the point I was going to make was, and and some Annie's kind of alluded to it, that the defence, the, the defenders were probably the ones that you would give the pass marks to. It was the forward players, the midfield players that really failed to to turn up. Christie um, was awful. Um, Turnbull, in, in your estimations, was even worse. Um, Abada, you know, disappeared. Uh, Eddie, utter pish, missing that, that glorious chance. I mean, in games like that, you do need a wee bit of luck, and it felt like the games leading up to that, we were, we had the rubber of green, and you know, we seemed that maybe luck was on our side. You would have expected those players to all rise to the occasion, and and they didn't. So that also plays a part. Aye, I mean, like starting off with the defence, I think they they won the game with an XG lower than Eddie's chance by itself. So Eddie's chance was a higher XG than they got in the whole game. So we, the thing about the, the idea of uh, Angie's style of play is you can defend from the front. I mean, we played uh, RB Salzburg and Marco Rose was in charge and they defended from the front. That's the way you, 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 want, to, you want to be if you're doing this gig and press style. So you can defend while being an attacking team as well. So I think I was happy with Starfelt. Uh, Welsh was fine. Ralston's fine at certain things, but trying to get us forward, it's just not working. It's, 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 he needs to come out the team when when uh, Juranovic uh, gets the right back. But up front, as I, as I kind of alluded to earlier, that we're playing a totally different style because they they have their midfield as zonal. It means that the things that Turnbull does best is like moving dragging people out of position, they're not being dragged because they're not moving with the man. So Turnbull is unable to make space because they're staying in the position that they're told to be in. And that just makes it a lot harder for us to create chances. Abada, I'm sorry, he's not a first-choice right-winger for Celtic for me. At 19 years old, I think he could have a great career, but he needs to be second-choice to James Forrest when James Forrest is fit. He... We don't attack. We didn't attack as much down the right yesterday on Sunday. But even then, he just doesn't try and get involved as much as he should do. And it's, I think Eddie was fine. He worked hard. He missed his chance. These things happen. Kyogo was fine. He, he set up the chance for Eddie. And, of course, in, in the second half, like, if Kyogo squares it to Christie, it's a goal. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... It's just so many small things that happened. If the decision was made the other way, then we would have scored. Rangers didn't even get into that position. Rangers didn't even get into a position where they had to make a choice. They lumped a ball in from a corner and scored a header. For me, we were better at defending than they were because we, we stopped him creating chances and we were better going forward. We just didn't finish the, the moves off and that was that was a problem. Bamani. See all of that. All of that's true in terms of the you know the way we, what we created and where we went. But the problem we've all got as a support, as we've seen it before, and that's that's the problem now. You know, in a couple of weeks' time, you know, if we start winning, you know, games again and whatever, and, and going forward, regardless of what we've got in terms of the transfer window just now, when the window's shut, Ange just needs to start, keep winning games. You know, he needs to keep winning league games, um, but. The narrative, you know, right now it's still a bit raw, and especially because we've got fucking international duty. There's nothing worse than getting beat and then not playing a game coming up. But as much as what you're saying, and I do agree with it's what you're saying, a lot of that stuff there, Graham. 
there's been a, a number of times where we've seen that before and we've came away with a defeat and it's it still hurts, I suppose, is what I'm saying, you know. It's just, it's, it, yeah. it, it, it does, it, it's no comfort. It's no comfort. It's like the League Cup win. You know, they can they can dissect how they took us apart in 2019. We went away and celebrated with a trophy. But one thing I find most frustrating is the fact that their system is so well known to us. Like, we know exactly how they're going to line up. We know pretty much who the first choice players are. And Barry, it seems like they play this kind of flat midfield three and then they've obviously got the three higher up the pitch and we can't figure out it's like we can't fucking figure out a way against it it seems to be like they have this fucking flawless system and we all know it isn't flawless the first half proved it wasn't flawless but it gets them results and they managed to come away from that game now I think fair enough they were the better team second half they came out they took the game to us we did not turn up until we made the changes far too late in the game, probably. But I would have hoped that Ange was a fresh pair of eyes, going to see the flaws in this system and be able to counter it. But here we are with another manager and we're still not being able to do that. Yeah, um, I think that's there's maybe a couple of reasons why that is. I think, I think Sir Mary maybe said it's what the fourth, fourth fifth league game um, and the sort of time period that Ange came in, he's still working with them, but I agree with you, it's it's Colin, see the amount of times that our, our midfield sort of bypassed and Ryan Kent has that ball in a sort of half turn and he's running at our back four um, and it, we can all see it coming but we just need to try and find a way to to sort of counter it um, but uh, as it's Colin that they're not even that great a team, but they're just so well drilled and we've been saying it for the best part of coming up for two years now that we don't seem to be have a way to to beat what they're doing to us, um, counter it, etc. But I think that it's just going to take time. Um, I think that the seven games that we haven't beat them, obviously it's painful for us as fans, but a lot of that team are new to it and you just hope that with more time working under the new manager, um, getting a settled team. Um, I would really like a, a, a midfielder to come in today. I don't think it will happen. So you're really kind of pinning all your hopes in James McCarthy to sort of be the anchor in there to allow um, McGregor to move forward one. And you would hope that would give us a wee bit more control, but it's, it's definitely a worry. I think um, the other thing is, of course, that you know this Rangers team, um, yes, they'd been on a long journey in Europe, they had COVID in the squad, their manager wasn't there, their captain wasn't there, um, their other right-back fucking wonder kid, as far as they're concerned, wasn't there, fucking Fanny. Um, their two goalkeepers weren't there. I mean, you know, again, those are things that if it had been us, and I know that there's a massive difference in the quality of the squad and the depth of the squad, but again, I think those are those are factors that, again, should have went in our favour. We should have been able to beat them, and we didn't. They were weaker than what they could have been, and we still didn't get the job done. Before we move on to transfer deadline day, because we've obviously got a lot to talk about, um, so, Manny, do you worry that, you know, there's two defeats away in the league out of the, the four games we've played? Um, obviously, with the European away results as well. 
are you worried about this away thing that maybe Andrew's style is failing to translate in a way to the big games or the the, the tighter pitches? No, um, I think these two games. I mean, forget Europe, right? Because I think I think the next away game we play is best, right? If I'm a betting man, I would say that we probably won't win there either, right? And I think if we played Hearts yesterday, or sorry, on Sunday, we'd have beat them at Tynecastle. Um, I think that was just at the wrong end of the season. Um, and Ibrox was Ibrox. I think the next away game we've got in the league is Livingston. Right? It's the plastic pitch crap won't wash. Right, he, he, he needs to start winning these games now. I don't think it's a hoodoo. It's not Angie's hoodoo, right? But... And I don't, I have, I don't really think of it as as being a problem or being an issue for us. But we just simply need to start winning them and keep winning games. You know, Postecoglou's came in and he's quite rightly got, you know, so much goodwill and so much support off it. You know, off of the supporters and, and kind of the way it's happened. You know, it, unless there's some sort of phenomenal amount of signings coming in, he's not going to have been backed to the way that he's, you know, we would expected or, or wanted him to. But there's enough there, I would say, for him to, to continue to win the vast majority of the league games going forward. So is it a problem? Am I worried about it? Do I think it's an issue? No, I don't. Conversely, though, we need to smash that. We need to get rid of that. And I think we need to start. Definitely need to do that against Livingston because you know, we've not won there for some time as well, right? But ultimately, that goodwill will start to dissipate. And I think that that will be a key game for us. We simply need to win that. Um, and I'll leave it there. So, the obviously, we're recording this on transfer deadline day. Um, that's Christy confirmed. In the region of 2.5 million, which I think for Christy is uh, decent money, a good bit of business considering his contract situation and things like that. Um, it was rumoured to be just 1 million, but um, that seems to have changed. Um, Eddie is of course um, it's imminent has an announcement to, to Crystal Palace you know that's two starters from the game at the weekend that are that you take out of that team um, now we've signed the Greek boy so striker for a striker I suppose is the way it's going to be put uh, by the board um, but let's face it that Greek guy is going to be on the bench he's not going to be starting games because Furuhashi will be through the middle so you've signed a player for the bench uh, 2.5 million by the way and uh, and then Christy comes out of that midfield so your dilemma at the weekend about playing Tam um, you've either got to play Tam now or you've got to rely on James McCarthy who already is not fucking fit so uh, Barry uh, you know we'll, we'll get into some of the other deals but right now how do you feel about the fact that we've came to this this deadline and basically we've we've just we're just clearly announcing the two guys that we signed days ago. Yeah, I'm starting to think we're not going to get these five or six that we've been crying out for for weeks. And I think the point you made ten, there is ten players, Barry. Ten players. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I think someone made a point today. See the fact that we're including Birigidi and Shaw. Like that's the most they've been included by Celtic <laughs> since they, since they signed. Um, but no, I think we needed we needed another striker anyway. But now we're, we've lost two today. Um, one of them, thank God, um, and it's not French Eddie. But these are signings that I think we're going to come in anyway. But 
we're taking two out the starting lineup, as Louis says, and I think we're seriously light. You see a lot of graphics going around Twitter of what the squad looks like, but I think we're seriously light now in midfield. Um, and not to be controversial, but I would argue that the midfield three that started on Sunday um, wasn't strong enough to win this league. And with Christie going now, I think we're even we're even weaker now. So it's going to take a massive fight to still be in the hunt come January. I know what Samani's saying, we just need to win games, but we're an injury or two away from a central midfielder to being up Shits Creek. Um, and we're really relying on James McCarthy to have, A, be really fit, but also be in the form of his life. Um, and that's a, that's a major worry. So overall, I think Celtic's business, there is some positives, but it's too little too late. Jota, um, official. Oh. oh, here we go. Good oh. stuff. Um, We've still got a couple of hours to go. Make it I know, maybe I've been a bit hasty. <laughs> John Sitter. The oh, there's Gal saying uh, Jota's official. Thanks for that, Gal. Uh, keep up, son. Keep up. <laughs> you, you heard about COVID, Gal? I couldn't come in for fuck's sake. Do you know what I mean? I'm trying to be a professional. How fucking dare you? Um, sorry, Barry. For yeah, but just, just to finish off, I think that we have left ourselves far too much to do this window, but I still think with the money that we've brought in, probably upwards or close to 50 million since January with Strimpon kicking it off. And I think we've maybe spent, what, close to 20. Um, so there is still money there. And I, I think personally now, even if it is a couple of loans, maybe a centre-half and a central midfielder, I would take that now just because we need bodies. Um, so it's not good enough, but what there's four hours left, less than four hours left, so fucking do what you can, Dom. The Celtic Park <laughs> fax machine is winding down for the evening and we all fucking know it. It's a hard window. It's, um, Graham, uh, how, how much are you worried about the midfield? I, I don't think it was, I mean, I think we would all have liked a central midfielder to come in, but I think we were more probably focused on other, other areas. But the fact that Christy has gone, and by the way, you let, Scott Robertson go to crew on the same day, like another midfielder who has shown promise before. Um, how worried are you? The, the fact that, you know, we're potentially really fucked in midfield now? Um, really, really worried with Chrissy gone. Like, if we go for the rest of the season with this midfield, I don't think we're winning the league. If we, we need to now get to January without, without dropping points and try and sign, sign a sentiment because we we have Sorrow and we have McCarthy to come in. And as Barry says, it just doesn't look as if McCarthy's got it anymore. It doesn't look as if he's fit anymore. He can't. It doesn't seem to be able to get fit for the for the first team. And Sorrow, when he comes in, it just kind of passes the ball about. Sometimes loses it, sometimes not. And it, it, it just doesn't seem good enough. We don't we don't have enough backup in the attacking attacking sense for our central midfield. We don't we don't have a box to box. We don't have a number eight that can go back and forward. We need we've only got two players in front of the ball now. We've got we've got Turnbull and we've got a uh, uh, Tam. If if we have uh, Calmack at the back, but if we move McGregor forward, that means we're we're going to bring in McCarthy, and that just gives us less opportunity to bring the ball out from the back because he's not as good on the ball as uh, McGregor. So for me, you're saying. 
we weren't really thinking about this, but from from day one of this transfer window, I've been saying we need to bring a number eight in. We, we just don't have enough when it comes to the kind of attacking side of the midfield. And it's 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 madness when you think about, we've lost the, the, the big four that Christian spoke about about two years ago, the contract situation, we've lost them for a combined 25 million. And that was a big, that was like the, the four stars of our team and we've lost them for 25 million. That is gross mismanagement. I think I was looking back at the league to see, I think it was the 30th of January when we lost to St. Martin and we went 23 points behind Rangers. Sell fucking Ayer, sell Eddie, sell Christie and sell Jam and just fuck the season because we were 23 points behind anyway. Try and get as much value as possible and then put that into the kit to build for the next season. We didn't do it. We just left them all to run down their contract. And it's just, it's just gross mismanagement. I don't think it, I think Christian was saying that the last contract, the last first team player to sign a new contract was Callum McGregor on the, on November 2019. We've not been able to renew, renew a contract since then. And that is mismanagement. I was just going to come on that a quick point there as well. See, we've essentially, we've got James McCarthy to replace Brown, Christian and Cham. Um, and even if McCarthy has a brilliant season in terms of bodies, thinking about the minutes that they would have played for us, and Cham actually played more games than people remember um, over the last couple of years. But that's just for a purely bodies point of view, and you can argue that they weren't at their best, but they're three players who have served Celtic well, um, and that's what we've done. Um, so if a central midfielder, I'm, I'm in the same... I'm in agreement with Graham. If a central midfielder doesn't come in in the next three hours or so, we are in major trouble. It's definitely an eight we need. I mean, see with McCarthy. I mean, McCarthy's didn't really have a pre-season or anything like that. So people are rushing because he, he wasn't fit to play at Ibrox and he wasn't fit to play on Thursday to say, oh, the guy's never fit or anything like that, you know. I think we knew that he was going to take a bit of time to come up to speed. I think we should have brought him in earlier to help with that, as we should have done with a lot of that stuff. But we definitely, definitely need an eight. And that was regardless of whether Christie was going to stay, because I don't think Christie's a particularly good eight, certainly for the high level. Um so that's been missing for, that's really, really staring you right slap bang in the face that we don't have another option in there. You know, and we, I think we all know that nobody's going to come in between now and the end of the evening. And then you're looking at the B squad. There's nobody there that, I mean, what's, what's the name of the guy? Sorry, I, I, his name's escaped me, the guy we signed from Watford. Lawson Lau. Lau, he, he seems to be the only person who's getting the sort of reviews at that level that you think maybe he can make the step up. Robertson's away in loan. Ewan Henderson, I don't think so. Luke O'Connell is the enigma. So it's not even as if we can kind of draw on these guys. So that is the key. That is the key. Whether Christie stayed or not, right? Because I think some people are saying, uh, uh, Christian had said it in, in the chat last night, I wouldn't let him go. And I understand why he wouldn't have let him go given the options we've got. But I don't think Christie was a particularly effective A either. I think that's a key, key, key position. On Sunday, wasn't Well, uh-huh. you know, definitely not on Sunday, but I don't think really the guys, you know, seeing he's, he's came back to form in this season and people have been pleased with him, it's playing the left side of the front three. You know, yeah. we, we couldn't consider him to be a number eight for us, I think. So that's been, a regardless of the fact he's now gone, that's a huge key position for us. And, you know, McCarthy... 
McCarthy's going to play in, in the sixth role, isn't he? And you know, he you know, he might come in and play certain games or stuff like that. Regardless of that, the eight is the one that's missing, and I don't think we're going to get it. Barry, let's let's assume, right, that this is it. That's it. No more deals tonight, right? Two and two out. Um well I I mean we we have brought in probably a combined amount of over fifty million um this this year. We've spent about twenty million there or thereabouts. Now there's a lot of you know, Martin Freel's been talking about obviously the, the, the rest of that's probably to mitigate everything that's happened with COVID and the amount of money we've lost and all that sort of thing. But the fact that this new regime under Dom, you know, he wants to modernise the club and all this sort of thing, him and Ange together, they've taken everybody's season ticket money, told us, you know, that it's got, everything's going to be rosy again. And they've basically spent less than half of the money they've recouped from player sales this year. How's that going to make you feel if that's this is the squad that we're going to play out the season with? Not changed, I think. Um, again, and I think as well, again after yeah. fucking last year. It's, and it's galling as well because how many of the... It was a, a fair compliment of the, the cynics were at the, the protest um, before the Dundee game and there was a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, spoiled, or what are you talking about? There's, we've been making signings. I wonder how those, and this isn't me sticking fingers up to the Celtic fans, I just wonder how they feel. Um, do they still feel that same way when they were giving us a bit of kickback on that? Um, because we are, we're, we're light in many areas. It's just the, the glaring one for me, is, as I've mentioned, is, is the midfield. Um, you could argue we're light at centre-half, light at left-back. Um, even light at goalkeeper um, in terms of quality. So there is there's massive gaps, and it wasn't always going to be done in one window. But I think there's ways you can be creative to bolster the squad. And I know there was talk of like uh, Carter Vickers today and Celtic and Spurs sort of hemming and hawing. But why leave it to the last minute? And I know that's kind of it happens in football. But we've we've wanted this guy go out and get him. Um, but the only the only come of comfort and I'm probably going to be cursing myself for letting me think this way is that I'm surprised that Jota's been announced at what 20 past quarter past eight um, I would have thought and yourself on Barry boy don't <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll do that thing see when it gets to 11 and we're open to 12 I'll, I'll get one more hour and then after it Aye. gets to 12 I'll think maybe there's something stuck in the fax machine <laughs> and then after that we'll be looking at the free transfer lists and then we'll get <laughs> ourselves on to January but it's re- rinse and repeat Um but no, I, I feel let down if the squad finish if the window closes and this is the squad we've got till January. Um, and it'll just be a case of a sort of gargantuan effort to keep on their coattails till January. And then hopefully by then, with, I know Ian Duggan's been speaking about it, and that's when, and Ange mentioned it, that that's when the, the work behind the scenes will need to start um, looking at director of football, looking at the scouting. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to be enthused um, I was I bought into it like the, the new regime and all that and 100% behind Ange and the new players but it feels like the manager the players and the fans are all working in tandem and it's against the board and it's probably been that way since I started supporting Celtic I'm looking at the, the free transfer list there's a <laughs> former French under 21 international here that we could pick up for free sure 
in Germany. Is he not going? I thought he'd signed for. Is he still not signed for Swansea? Is he? Oh well, I, I, ignore, the, ignore me. Ignore me. Sorry. One of the things I was thinking about is uh, a, a TV show I used to like a lot was Californication, and in that show, the main guy Hank, played by David Duchovny, is punished for the first two seasons for things that happened like in the very start. And it, to me, it's exactly what's happening at the moment. We are we are punishing Celtic for things that have happened a long time ago and we can't really change at the moment. Like when you think about the recruitment this season, Kyogo came in because because uh, Anginium. The creation right back came in and we we already were watching him under Brendan Rodgers before he went to Lydia. So the players that we are working on are players that have been on some kind of list that was there when Nick Hammond and Neil Lennon were there. So... I don't want to be too negative on Don McKay because he's a McKay, first of all. Uh, but I feel as if he's up against the wall at the moment. Like he's he's maybe been kind of hung out to dry a little bit. And the whole kind of Celtic at the moment have been hung out to dry a bit, especially when you consider how much Dermot Desmond is involved. Uh, I know there's been certain players that have been identified by the scouts and Celtic have just said no because we, we don't have the money, we need, we need to wait till money comes in. So we're still being our conservative selves. But nothing nothing was going to change this summer automatically because we had to wait until these, these people came into their positions and then gave them some time to work on it. It's just, it's not something we can do overnight. And... Celtic, as a PLC, we're always going to be conservative. We don't take chances. We wait till the money comes in, and then we try and spend it. And it's just the way Celtic have been ever since, basically ever since Fergus McCann took over. It was like, I know we as football fans like to get emotional about things, and we like to think about like what it means to be a Celtic fan and going into work and meeting Huns. But we need someone in charge like Fergus McCann because Fergus, Fergus McCann, you, uh, Samani, you'll probably remember Barry as well. Uh, when when we unveiled the flag for who's, the, who's this, Graham? Sorry, who's this? <laughs> before you were born, mate. When when we unveiled the flag after we stopped the ten, he got booed. The stadium booed him. He was making rational decisions. He was making. He was removing emotion from it, and he was making rational decisions. And we don't want. Uh, we don't want Celtic as a club making emotional decisions based on what the fans want because a lot of the fans, we we look at major, majority decisions, we look at Brexit, and for example, a lot of people don't know what they're talking about. So we want someone in there that's making rational decisions for the football club and are doing it based on like the, the kind of point of view of experts that, are, that have come in to do their job. So I'm not I'm not going to be too down on Don McKay for this this transfer window. If he fucks up January, and we know that Ange has said that the J-League players will become available in January, if we don't get players that suit Ange's style, because I think there's only a couple that we brought in uh, this this window that have done that, then we start to question Dom and we start to question the whole thing. Like one of the points you made on the the, the rundown was like, should we get back at the board? We should never be not back at the board. We should be on the board every fucking second of the day. We should support the team. We should always be questioning the board and questioning the decisions they're making every single day. Even when we're winning treble trebles, we should question every fucking decision they make. 
I agree with you, Graham. That's why I just hit Dom with a bus. Get him under that fucking bus. You're being too nice. You know, 50 million we've taken in, we spend 20. No, under the wheels. Under the fucking wheels. So, Manny, um, we have lo- you know, we've lost. We've moved on the likes of Christopher Ayer. Um, £8.6 million pound Jack Henry uh, for, for one and a half. Um, obviously, players like Ryan Christie, Olivier Cham, uh, Lee Griffiths, Scott Brown, I mean, all players that have contributed in the past. I mean, players like um, Christy, I mean, Christy, Eddie, Ayer, these are all guys that wanted to leave and have wanted to leave for some time. So they've finally got their wish. I mean, Ryan Christie's seen his career better placed at a team like Bournemouth in the Championship rather than playing for Celtic. I mean, there's not a hell of a lot you can do with that. You know what I mean? If a guy wants to go there, then then let them go it's frustrating though when we've lost that many players uh, and and a lot of quality to be fair we all sat here at you know at the end of last season start of this season saying we need almost potentially double figures in terms of signings we've made eight really that would go into the first team but how do you feel Ange has been backed to give do you feel like he has been let down and, and kind of sold a dummy in many ways. And and I think you would have to say that Dom has to play a part in that. He has to take some responsibility as well. I mean, it's hard to know exactly. I mean, if we look at it just objectively, have we got enough players to play his system in terms of rotation and enough players who play in the style that he wants to? No, we don't. Right? But has he taken the job and Mackay's told him, look, this is what we're planning to do. We can only offer you this. We'll look at it in January. I, we don't know. We can surmise that he's been sold a pup or anything like that. But, it, you know, the problem is, the problem isn't having been sold a pup because we have signed, what is that, 11 players now, right? Okay, and some of them aren't. That's a lot of players that were signed, but it isn't enough because of what happened previously. We're all emotional. We're all reactionary. Maybe Ange goes, right, I... Maybe he goes, I understand that or whatever. I, I, I don't know. But ultimately, squeezing everything in in this window was made so difficult because of, I mean, you said it, Graham, crazily incompetent decisions going back a number of years. Right up until January, you know, of this year, chasing Eddie Howe for months, not bringing the manager in until the last minute, having to go from a stop-start to move forward. This all feeds into this. You know, if any other window where we signed 11 players would go, wow. But right now, it's not enough because of what happened previously. So has he been sold a pup? I don't I don't think we can say that based on, because we don't know what some of the conversations are around there, but I think we all agree what we've got on our plate just now until January is pretty thin. It's pretty threadbare. I think, um, personally for me, I think the biggest weaknesses are well central midfield centre back and, and left back I, I, I still Tim, like I'm still very worried about the fact that at left back all we really have is Greg Taylor and Adam Montgomery I mean oh, I think yeah. Scales yeah Scales I I mean Scales is obviously going to come in to cover two positions and you know any thought that this guy just did that in the pitch <laughs> aye <laughs> <As you'll> get, <laughs> 
whether he's going to be good enough or not, it doesn't fucking matter. He's going to have to play. <laughs> and that's just where we're at. You know, ball and goalie still being a Celtic player when this window shuts is galling. Wait a minute. Should... No. No, he still is, I. He still is. I. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, it's, it's galling the fact that he's just sitting there picking up a wage and, and you know, we're not going to use him. He's clearly, I don't, it'd be interesting to see if Ange tries to reintegrate him back into things, but you kind of can't see it happening. It was um, really it was really telling when Taylor went down holding his shoulder that Montgomery and Eregidi warmed up and Bowley was yeah. on the bench. I think that says it all, to be perfectly honest. Absolutely. Um, anyway, so in terms of uh, Europe, you know, we got, we got through to the group stage, uh, the group stages of the Europa League where we will be playing... By Leverkusen, Real Betis, and Ferenc Varos. So, you know, a chance to try and get a bit of revenge on them. Um, quick thoughts on the on the group stage, Barry. I, I mean, are you excited to see us go up against the likes of uh, Leverkusen and Betis? Even if, you know, on paper, it's probably going to be very difficult. But at least it's somewhat of a kind of clamour game, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think... A lot of people are maybe kind of down on Europe now because of where we are, but I think it will only improve our players to play against higher caliber of players. Um, and it is, as you say, it is kind of glamorous. Um, Leverkusen, I think, will be by far the strongest test. <coughs> Betis, um, a good test as well, and a team that we've not played. Um, I don't know if we've played them in our history, but certainly not in recent times. Um, and then the Ferenc Faros game for revenge. Um, so the, the other interesting thing, I think it was covered well on the weekend update, is that if you finish third in the group, it's it's not over yet. So I would like to think that we could we could go through second, um, take our chances. I know that contradicts what I've said with how can I am feeling about the squad, but you would like to think that we'll win with a fighting chance anyway. Um, and then if we do happen to finish third, then it's all, uh, then it's not over. So I, I always always enjoy Europe, and I always think it's good. Particularly when a new manager comes in with new ideas, um, it tells you a lot about the squad and a lot about their progress. Um, so it'll be an interesting test, and it will just give us a, a, a sort of an added extra to the season for for interest. Graham, you're going to try and get to the Leverkusen game. I would like to. Uh, I think it's going to be a pumping though because they're a really good team. Uh, but I no, I think it's going to be a good test. I think Betis have not started their season so well, and I think they're maybe a team that we can get at. I think we've got the Hungarian mob, because I can't pronounce their name, uh, double back-to-back in the middle. So I think that would be a good chance to kind of get some points on the board as well when like, we finish at home to Betis. So... As far as I'm concerned, the, the Leverkusen games can be a bit of... A, I think we've got Leverkusen at home and then Ferenc uh, back-to-back. So, I mean, if we could get some, like, at least six points, maybe six or seven points from that, then, I mean, I, I don't think there's any... I don't think there's any reason to fear Betis, and I think we could probably go through. But definitely, definitely at least third place. Well, Manny, um, we're, we're going to go to some questions from the, the Discord chat because we've got quite a few um, that we'll just very quickly go through before we finish. Um, so, Manny, you know, obviously it's an international break uh, now, so we've got um, kind of a couple of weeks off before our, our next game, um, which is Ross 
County. Yeah, Ross County at home on uh, the 11th of September. What would you like to happen behind the scenes? What is the best, you know, what what do you hope for for when that Ross County game comes around in terms of the squad? Um, obviously, players, a number of players are away on international duty. What are you hoping for behind the scenes? Um, I just hope with the players that are still going to be there that we just continue to work. I mean, again, we've we've talked about it. We are still really early in this and moulding the team. You know, we've seen some of the good attacking play in some of the games we've played. The more you do that, the more that will become natural. So these two weeks is about, you know, getting some of the new players in. Well, the two new players that we're going to get and hopefully some others. It's getting them in and integrating them and just trying to keep them working on what we're doing. Because we've seen we've seen like a, a snapshot of what it could be like, but I still think there's a lot of hard work to do. So in terms of the squad, I think Ange just needs to keep believing in what he wants to do, trying to focus the group and get them to buy in on it. The good thing about the window shutting, regardless of what happens with any more players coming in or going out or whatever, is it's set in stone. Now, it's like there's no one wondering about anybody's future or who might come in. It's set. So it's really just got to be about working and drilling down the way that we want to play over and over again. We want to see some more Yes Barky YouTube videos, except not with Barkas in them. We want to see that sort of stuff. It's just got to be, It's this is hard work now. And as much as there's going to be mitigation about the results and, you know, Angie's team's performance going on, um, in terms of the transfer window and stuff like that, he needs he, he just needs to start winning. So, it, the, the, you know, there's going to be more scrutiny in him after this. I just hope that he sticks to his guns and and we keep doing what we've been doing when we've been good this season. Let's, um, if we can, just rattle through some questions. Okay, so just kind of go quick fire around, Joe. Um, Barry, we'll come to you first. Uh, Reese and Gary uh, have a, a kind of similar question. Um do you think Don McKay's been hindered in what he wants to do by the current board? Um, there's also the you know the worry that maybe Peter Lowe could be there in, in some capacity behind the scenes. Do you think he's been hindered? Potentially, yeah. I think uh, you mentioned about has Ange been sold a pup? You could argue as maybe Don McKay been sold a pup with you're going to come in in a full control. But I think kind of sort of through the grapevine that... Uh, it's very much more hands-on than it would than some people would think um, in terms of decision making on a, a day-to-day basis. And obviously, Peter Law is still in there in some capacity. So again, I think Graham made a good point about we'll give him to what January thirty-first or whatever when the win- when that window closes, and um, we'll see see how he's done then. But it could be that his hands are tied just now. But on the flip side of that, he has to have conviction. Um, and it'll be interesting to hear from him when the window closes over the next couple of weeks. Maybe you'll hear from him about the structure change. So it's over to him really to kind of to put his stamp on things, particularly after the window's closed. So Manny, another one about the, the board. Um, Alan Reid says, is it any surprise that Desmond, who set the parameters for law to operate in, is still in control of the club, that, that the overall strategy of the club does not seem to have changed? And what... What can we as a fan base do to bring up about any sort of meaningful change if Desmond is not interested in selling his shares? Um, I think the financial prudence that the club has 
has been a factor of the club for a long, long time. I think with Desmond instilling control, that's not really going to change. I mean, Dom might change the parameters a wee bit, but fundamentally, we weren't going. I didn't. I've never expected this to go out and start spending in a way that we maybe like, you know, in terms of speculating to accumulate. I never expected that much to change um, with regards to that. But Mackay only took over officially on the first of July. He'll be he'll be judged on what happens a year from now, probably. Oh well, maybe not. Some people will judge him sooner, but I think ultimately you would need to judge what he does between now and then. And that also includes director of football and backroom staff and sorting out the scouting, because Graham pointed out we're probably still working on um that scouting list that was found in the back of a motor and posted on Twitter last year. <laughs> you know, there's a packets of Benson and Hedges with stuff scribbled in the back. See, what I will say is, I think we're pretty unified in the cynic in terms of wanting broader change within the board than I think a lot of the Celtic support do. See that demo over at? Okay, notwithstanding the weather, the numbers weren't good. And that's my concern is that a lot of the Celtic support aren't maybe on the same page as, as some of us and some you know and, and fans that are kind of vocal on Twitter. It's you know, there has to be a groundswell of support for anything like that to happen. And I don't think we're there yet. But what we really need to do is just keep pointing out and criticizing anything that, you know, merits it going forward. We just need to keep doing that because ultimately, as much as we might want it and we might see it on Twitter or whatever, or social media where we're live, that's a subsection of the Celtic support. That's a snapshot of it. It's not the whole support. Um, and I think to build broader support for, for more uh, serious change, we've still got work to do. But, you know, that that can build, but it needs to be scrutiny on what the board are doing going forward. Graham, you've been so good tonight. You're getting two questions at one time, so good luck. Um, Doogie says, um, if the transfer news stays the same, two in, two out uh, tonight, what is the realistic expectation for the season? And Scott says, does this level of spending constitute backing the manager or not? When it comes to level of spend, I think with, with COVID and, I mean, even if you look at Bayern Munich, for example, I think they've only spent, what, 15 million this summer? So, like, out with the the crazy teams of, like, Paris Saint-Germain, uh, Real Madrid and the, the English teams, no one's spending that much. So it's not, for, it's never for me with Celtic, it's never for me the amount of money they spend. It's where they spend it and when they spend it that I've got a problem with. So with COVID, I would give them a pass this year. I just feel as if they could have done better with the money. What was the, other, what was the first question, sir? <laughs> So I have, have has the manager been backed, and then also um, fucking what was that? I've lost it. Um, if if it stays the same and in terms of two in two out today, then what's the realistic expectation for the season? The realistic expectation is that we are probably going into the season with less of a good less of a squad than we did last season. Uh, I mean, we've we've changed some players, but we've got much of a muchness. We've, we've swapped uh, Ayer for Starfield, which was a downgrade. We've lost Frimpong and we've got the, the creation guy, which could be about the same level. I don't think we've up- upgraded a squad and the Rangers have basically kept their best players. So realistically, I want us to win the league, but I think Ange keeps his job if he finishes within nine points. And I think we will be just about 
there, but I don't. I, I just fear without without more numbers in midfield. And it all depends what happens in January as well. But without numbers in midfield, I just can't see us. Okay, so the last the last question. I'm going to come to each one of you. Um, I need a grade. Um, Mark McCardo has asked, "How would you grade the window?" Assuming, um, assuming obviously the business that we know of today is all the business that happens. He would go C minus. He said, "Would be a D for the fact that Abad and Kyogo have been excellent, and Juranovic looks a solid piece of business. Hopefully, shorter numbers though. So, to finish, give us a grade for the window, Samani. <laughs> and the thing is, as well though, if you'd asked us this question last summer, we would have made a right arse ourselves in terms of what unfolded. But right now, A plus plus. <laughs> a plus plus. I'm giving it. I'm giving it a C as well. I, I think we've made some good signings. Kyogo Juranovic looks as if he could be uh, a, a real find as well. But there's just not enough. The quantity's not there, and I don't know if we've got you know the overall quality. Guys like Abada are are fine uh, on a supplementary basis, but it, it's not quite there for me. I'd say. Graham, I I think I'll go C as well. Couple of good players, especially I think I'm quite excited about Yota. But there's players that've been brought in that are not good enough, and players that've been brought in that are not really good for the system. So, C for me as well. Uh, I'm gonna go D because Dom's a dick, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Barry, C as well. Um, for the reasons uh, Graham and Samaria have mentioned, I think there is some really exciting players there. Um, expecting big things at Yota. Um, and I'm hoping um, the Greek boy can be a, a good goal scorer from when he's needed. Um, but there's still a long way to go. Um, and that's see that on the hope that the majority of the players will come good. So, yeah, it's, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, Sorry, I'm just saying we're going to need to, we're going to, need to learn the Greek boy's name because everybody keeps calling him the Greek boy. Giamakis or something Giamakis. like that. Giamakis, yeah. well, yeah. exactly. I don't want to do myself a disservice. So Big Giamakis. Georgios. Big yeah, Georgios. No, I'm the same, Barry. I'm, I, the Greek lad, the Greek boy, that, that's, we'll need to sort that we'll out. We'll turn into Pat Bonner, aren't we? Pat Bonner, exactly. <laughs> um, listen, we've got, is, is the transfer window closed for us at midnight? Is that right? I thought it was 11, morning. but Sky were saying today midnight, so unless Sky have got it wrong, uh, I think we've got an extra hour. Right, okay. So, as you know, at the time of recording this, it's 10 to 9. Um, so, there's a bit of time yet um, to be bitterly disappointed when it shuts and we've done fuck all else. But, um, Barry, it's been a pleasure. You've looked tremendous. Um, aye. Thanks very much, mate. And um, good luck, everyone. Strap yourselves in for a, a pleasant and quiet evening, I would say. <laughs> I got your bed, you're not going to miss it <laughs> um, Graham, it's been a, a pleasure I hope you thoroughly enjoy the rest of your time in London Hopefully, I with a few more signings and stuff But I'm hearing big things coming for sentiment in the next couple of hours so. Oh really? Well, just, just uh, is that myself, Celtic, Celtic sources um, <laughs> And Christopher Salmani um, God, you must be all podded out You've been uh, You've been great again Listen, don't you worry about it, mate. I'm taking a wee well-earned break for the next few days um, to cry gentle tears at the state of the squad after the window shut. But it's been a pleasure on with you as always, mate. And genuinely, congratulations on your award. You're such a sneaky bastard. <laughs> um, I, I'm waiting for my prize to come. What, did you all get whiskey, beer or something like that? Um, aye. 
Thanks very much for the award. You have to uh, see what the award is. You have to see what the award is. This uh, uh, Sonic of the Week? Correct. Yep. Do, do, <laughs> do all the Sonics of the Week go into like a big tombola for Sonic of the Year? Or? Yeah, we'll, we'll come to something at the end of the year. Don't you worry about that. Cool. Okay. Well, um, yeah, this has been the Cynic Weekly, and we will speak to you down the road. Mm-hmm.